You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Just play another bit of that in a second, but just if you have come in this week and you're going, what on earth is happening in that church? What kind of a weird church are there? Well, last week... I was doing part one, today's part two, of the message I'm bringing, and it's called The Promise Keeper. But part of the message was how you and I as Christians are called to go on the journey, and sometimes that journey is difficult. And I played a Beatles song called The Long and Winding Road as an introduction, and kind of nobody knew it. But when I mentioned this song, which is a lot more authentic to who I am, Loads of people knew it, so I wanted to play it today, and it refers back to my grandfather, my granda Murray, Michael Murray, and he was a freedom fighter in Ireland a hundred years ago, and he was in what was known as the old IRA, and he used to always tell us as children that when he was on the run from the enemy, and the enemy wanted to capture him, and the enemy wanted to imprison him, that he and his comrades escaped from West Cork. They cycled on their bikes, and they cycled up to Dublin. But of course, a hundred years ago or thereabouts, there wasn't any paved roads. It was literally a rocky road. And so this song was like his theme. It's almost like that experience as a young man became his identity. And so the rocky road to Dublin, any time any of us mentioned the word Dublin, he would start singing this song, and we went, oh, no, not again. But I just think there's so much in it. So let's just play the last minute of it before we get into our word. Thank you, Josiah. From there I got to Wales, there a failing man made on the clean sky, the ship was sailing, Captain Appy Road, said the door of Harry when they jumped aboard, and have a group of paddies, down among the pigs, did some hearty rigs, and dance some hearty jigs, the water room, me bumbling when a poly head, wished myself was scared, I bet the barn scared, on the rocky road, the Dublin one to three from where, pump the hair, and a down the rocky road, and all the ways of Dublin, When you and I, as Christians, are going on the journey God has called us to go on, there's an enemy that comes after us. Who'll say amen? amen? So just like my grandfather had a physical enemy, and he was trying to escape from him, sometimes we have that enemy. And sometimes that enemy wants to capture you and put you in a type of a prison, just as he would be. But we're fighting for a far better freedom. And it's the freedom that's eternal. Hallelujah. So when we were looking last week at the promise keeper and we were looking at how sometimes we take our eyes off the promise keeper and get it onto the promise and the promise becomes too important 
and it in effect becomes an idol. We also saw, and we were looking at Abraham, who was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. It was a test. And we saw that he had to travel on a journey like that. We're told in Genesis 22, 3, that Abraham traveled three days with Isaac to the place God directed him to, to sacrifice his son on an altar. And three days and nights and that journey, that was a rocky road. It wasn't Dublin, but it was a difficult, trying path. And sometimes you and I find ourselves going on a difficult journey. So we're going to look at part two of what we looked at last week. To conclude it, I'm just going to look at some different aspects that we didn't cover last week. And oh God, send your Holy Spirit upon us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Genesis 22. Some of the verses are the same. And here's some other aspects of the verses that we didn't look at last week. So we're going to put it up on the screen and you can read it from there. God said to Abraham, take your only son Isaac and sacrifice him on an altar. So Abraham took two servants with him and he traveled with Isaac to the place God had directed on the third day, Abraham saw the place in the distance and said to the servants, Isaac and I are going to worship up there. Wait here until we come back. And it goes on about how Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, but God intervened and stopped it because he would never get anyone to do it, but it was a test. And the narrative continues after Abraham had sacrificed the ram instead of his son Isaac, the angel of the Lord called to him a second time, because you were willing to sacrifice your only son, I swear by myself that I will bless you and your descendants. They will become as numerous as the stars and they will possess the cities of their enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to do some preaching today, but I'm also going to do some teaching. Is that okay? So a bit of teaching so that our minds will be blessed. A bit of preaching so that our hearts will be blessed. And I'm going to dive straight in with a bit of teaching. Because what we all need to know here is that what Abraham and Isaac were going through was a foreshadow. It was prophetic. It was pointing to what was going to happen with God the Father and his only son Jesus Christ on Calvary. And the similarities are incredible. And every time I read it, I keep getting reminded that even though the book of Genesis was so far before Jesus came, yet in type, in shadow, in prophecy, you have the whole gospel of Jesus Christ contained within it. Because God's word is infallible. It is beautifully connected. The weave that goes through the scripture, connecting Old Testament to New Testament to Cork City in 2018. It projects into your life and my life if we allow it to. If our minds are open and our hearts are soft towards God. Not the other way around. We don't want soft minds. We want open minds, but we want soft hearts. So let's just look a little tiny bit of teaching at the comparison between Isaac and Jesus. 
Both were promised sons and both were miraculous births. Both were willing to be sacrificed by a loving father. Where Isaac and Abraham went was called Mount Moriah, but that is exactly the same place of what we now call Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull. Both Isaac and Jesus Christ carried the wood for the sacrifice up the mountain. Isaac carried the firewood for the sacrifice. We looked at a video last Sunday, and it included that as well, of course, and it's written in Scripture. And Jesus carried the wooden cross with him up Calvary's hill. For both situations, the Father believes that death would not have the final say. And for both of them, the narrative ends with God will provide. This should bless your mind. This is the type of intellect and fact and doctrine that should strengthen and fortify your faith so that when the enemy attacks you or when things get difficult, you can say, well, this is what God's word says. Whatever the politician says, whatever Ed Sheeran says, or any other pop star, whatever the banker or the economist says, this is what God's word says. And that is something I can fully trust because it is woven together in a beautiful way and it has proved itself over many thousands of years, generation unto generation unto generation. So when we look in a moment at Abraham and Isaac and the test God put Abraham through, what I'm trying to bring you to the place of is to be convinced both in your mind and in your heart that what happened thousands of years ago is also relevant for you on a Monday morning in Cork today. So we're told in verse 3, getting back to a little bit of preaching for a while, that Abraham took two servants with him. Now, in the Bible, we have a thing called biblical numerology. It's that every time you read a number... It's actually saying something quite deep. For example, the number 50 is the number of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. So when you look at the measurements of the temple in the Old Testament, again and again, you read of the number 50 cubits by 50 cubits by 50 cubits. The measurements of the rooms, it was all pointing to the fact that one day the Holy Spirit of power was going to come and men and women would be healed of their sickness. They would speak in new languages and new tongues they would prophesy and this is what it was pointing to but two is a very important number anyone know what two is the number of witness two is the number of witness Jesus Christ early on in his ministry sent out 72 disciples and he sent them out to preach the gospel to lead others to to a, a relationship with him he sent them out two by two so when two people do something together. If one gets weak, the other one will hold them up. I, I've gone out witnessing with other people, and if I get a blank, the other one will pick it up and vice versa. So the fact that there were two servants there, the scripture also says every matter, if someone makes an accusation against you, if someone says something really nasty about you, and it's one person, you know what the Bible says? You shouldn't take that seriously. But if there are two people, then you have to listen to it. Scripture says, by the mouth of two 
or perhaps three witnesses, everything is to be established. So the fact that there were two servants watching on with Abraham and Isaac is very prophetic and it is very profound and it is saying this has all been recorded for posterity. This is all going to be brought down through the generations, including to this generation here today, for a purpose. And so the two servants were there. And when we're told that on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw that place in the distance. The third day is so figurative because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. And this is the day that Abraham was going to be tested. And his son, in effect, in his heart, he had to let them go. He was in many senses dead, but God stopped the sacrifice. And so his son was resurrected to life. So the third day is a continuous theme. But what I love is that Abraham looked up and he saw the test in the distance. I prophesy, some of us here have a test coming up and you know it. Maybe it's an exam. Maybe you're going to the doctor. Maybe you're going to ask her, will she marry you? Oh. Maybe it's a job interview. I just feel stirred by the spirit to pray right now. If you've got a test coming up for you or someone you love, just where you sit, would you just lift up a hand and we're going to just pray for that situation. Okay, I see all those hands. Whoa. Believe by faith that God is hearing us now. Lord, as my brothers and sisters lift up their hands, just as Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw that issue in the distance, that place of testing, that place of trial, Oh God, you undertook for him and you rescued him. And I pray for every man and woman with a hand lifted to heaven now that you would rescue them and rescue their loved ones from this place of trial and let them emerge with life and not death. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Abraham looked up just as you're looking and you see something at a distance, he could see something at a distance. And Abraham reflected and he knew this is the place it's going to happen. But look what he said to his two witnesses. I, myself and Michael marry loads of couples. They come to us and they say, we don't want a registry office wedding, but we don't want a Catholic wedding. And what can you offer us? And we'll say, yeah, we'll, we'll marry you. And maybe you'll even allow us to talk about Jesus. It's brilliant, you know. They pay us to tell them about Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Well, they don't pay us. We give the money to the church. It's part of our tithe. But, but uh, when you marry someone legally, you have to have two witnesses. You see, what emerged in God's word, the Bible, is woven throughout our society. Anybody here who was ever married would have had to have two witnesses who will say, yes, that's that man, that's that woman, and I witnessed that they made a covenant, a promise to one another here today. So this Judeo-Christian principles are woven through our legal system, our education system, even our health system in many ways. So your life is so impacted so impacted by God's word, the Bible, in ways you wouldn't know. And so the two witnesses that stood by for your wedding, or who may do that, it comes right back to God's word, the Bible. And so the two witnesses, look what Abraham says to them. Abraham said to the servants, 
wait here until we come back. Hang on a while. Didn't God say to him, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac? Isaac is going to die on the altar. But look what was in the heart of Abraham. Look at this, if you will, leakage. Because we all leak, don't we? Look at the leakage that's going on. Abraham, by faith, knew God won't let me down. God won't let you down. That's not the God we know. He won't let you down. Abraham said, by faith, I'm going to come back with my son. By faith, your sons and daughters will stand with you and praise the living God. Hallelujah. By faith, we'll see life and not death. So I was praying about this during the week. I kept getting this image of when Isaac was laid on the altar. It's a bit like someone going for an operation. And you, when, when the anesthetist begins to give you the injection to knock you out, part of you is, will I even wake up from this? But hallelujah, you will. Isaac rose up from that altar, alive and not dead. So Abraham is prophetic. He's a man of faith. And he's saying, we will come back. We will come back. And then, of course, when he was offering Isaac on the altar, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, no, a ram uh, got its horns caught in a bush nearby, and they sacrificed that instead. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham a second time. We didn't look at this last week either. Because the angel of the Lord spoke to Abraham a second time, saying, I swear by myself. Now, I'm going to get a little bit of teaching again in. It's very important, because this happens quite periodically if you're reading your Bible. I hope you are because it nourishes your soul. But if you're reading your Bible and you read through the Old Testament, quite regularly you'll see this being appear called the angel of the Lord. It's not an angel, it is the angel. And it's very different. So the angel of the Lord isn't Michael, isn't Gabriel, it's not one of the regular angels. He's swearing by himself. What? And then we see elsewhere in the scripture, people bowed down and worshipped this being, and he accepted it. And this is the kind of thing that a lot of young Christians get tripped up on, and they go, I can't follow that Bible, all those angels being adored, and everything, that's wacky. No, it's not. This, and I'm trying to fortify our minds, okay? This is called, theologically or doctrinally, a Christophany. It is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Jesus Christ was the second person of the Trinity. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, when he was born, was God taking on human form, yeah? Are you still with me? Okay. But God always is. God was never born. He was, and is, and is to come. So, where was the second person of the Trinity or the Godhead before he took on human form, before he became Jesus Christ? Well, this is what we call the angel of the Lord. This is the second person of the Godhead. 
For example, when Daniel and his friends were going through their test, their trial, in the fiery furnace, and they weren't burning when they were going through that terrible trial, and the others looked on, the pagans looked on, and they said, weren't there three went into that fire? But I see a fourth standing among them, and he looks like the Son of Man. Hallelujah. He looks like the Son of Man. It was Jesus. It was the angel of the Lord. And so again and again we see this being who appears. And so this will tell you and me that this trial was really important. And if you will, Jesus was appearing here in his pre-incarnate. Incarnate means when you take on flesh before he became Jesus Christ. What I love about that is that it's the Old Testament beautifully woven in with the New Testament. And not only that, it's today. Because here we have, if you will, Jesus prophesying to Abraham about his children. And that prophecy, that promise, because he's a promise keeper, amen? amen? That promise carries through to you today, by God's grace, to your children today. This is what he said, your children will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Let me, I'm going to come back to that. Let me just jump on. Are we Abraham's children? Are we? Yes, we, we're God's children. Look at what 1 John 3, 1 says. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is who we are. If we believe. If we believe. So the promises, if you will, that the second person of the Trinity, made to Abraham about Isaac, taking possession of the cities of their enemies, that goes right down to Cork or wherever you're living today. So this is exactly what happened. After that, Isaac's children, they began to possess cities in the land of Israel. And a couple of hundred years later, the whole nation of Israel that God raised up, they took hold and took possession of the promised land. And it culminated in a beautiful way when King David and his beard was fully grown at age 30. Even though he was a king at 23, his beard wasn't fully grown until he was 30. It's very symbolic about maturity. And he took the city nobody could capture. And it was the city of the Jebusites. It was the city of Jerusalem. And David conquered that city that the enemy had. And it became known and is known even today as the city of David. So the children of Abraham and Isaac captured the cities of their enemies. And when Jesus Christ, when the second person of the Trinity took on human form, the children of God began to inhabit and possess the city of their enemies. And so the early Christian church, were told, turned the world upside down. Upside down. And they began to inhabit the cities of sickness. Because those who were sick and were dying began to be healed. Hallelujah. And those who had lost hope found hope. And those who were lonely found community and found love. And those who had no purpose found purpose. Brothers and sisters, that promise made by the promise keeper, even Jesus who we love, that promise stands for you today. Hallelujah. 
What's your city? What is the city that you need to possess? What city do you need to take over in your life? What's it called? How would you describe it if you were to call that city a name? Is it loneliness or sickness? Is it depression? Is it addiction? Is it a family issue? What's the city? There's hundreds and probably thousands of names we could put on it. But the promise, I'm going to talk about myself, the promise for my life is that that city that currently I see an enemy playing games with, Denise and I were talking about a situation a while back and the Holy Spirit stirred Denise. They're just back from um, the Hillsong Colour Conference in England. It's very interesting. When they were there a year ago, um, one of the speakers there set up something called Hannah's Wall. Hannah who couldn't have children. Um, and the girls, Denise and Dara, my, my wife and daughter, were stirred to pray for one of the girls in the church here, Marion McGuire, who wasn't able to have kids and had major operations. And they went up and prayed for Marion at what we call Hannah's Wall, this lady in scripture, along with thousands of others. And they announced last weekend that as a result of that prayer, there were 249 babies born that never could have been born. Hallelujah. And next week, by God's grace, the 250th baby will be born here in Cork that was told you can never have, that child will never be born. But on another issue, Denise and I were talking, Denise was quite stirred to say, I am going to be, um, I can't think of the word, where you, you're not defensive, offensive. And she is going to, Denise was starting to move out in faith to, to take possession of that which the enemy had tried to rob in our wider family. And Denise was stirred to do it. And it stirred me as well as I heard her and listened to her share what was on her heart. And when I see the cities in my life and in my family's life where I can see the enemy is playing a game, I come right back to this. The promise keeper that I trust has said that for me and my children, we're going to possess the cities of the enemy. Amen. And I'm not going to be a jelly baby and sit back and let it happen. I'm going to have some courage and a bit of fire in my belly. And I'm going to go out, my wife, our family, we're going to take possession. We're going to say, no, oh no, you're not. I am not going to sit back and let that happen. Everybody here, whether you want to admit it or not, we've all got a city. And there's an enemy playing in it. It was interesting this weekend, as I come to a close, just on Thursday or Friday, the European Union released research that found people in Ireland are the happiest people in the European Union. Something like 93% of people in Ireland say they're happy, uh, with their lives, and I think Romania would have been one of the lowest, I'm not sure why, but we're way ahead. And you know, I'm a very happy person. If you ask me, if they, if they interviewed me, I'd say, I love my life, it's fantastic. 
but I equally know, and so I'm sure loads of you are saying, life is good. But there's cities in our lives. The children of Israel had conquered the land, but up there, high up in the mountains, was Jerusalem. And it took them generations to capture that city. By God's grace, every city here that is inhabited by the enemy in your life or in your family's life, we will capture. We are able. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Don't say, I can't. You can. Because he is for you. He's not against you. By his strength, we are able. Not in our own strength. So we're going to possess cities. And Steve Davis, or Steve Williams, one of the prophets coming next weekend, said, could you remember, ask the church fast and pray coming up to the conference? Because he knows in his soul, and he's prophetic. He knows there's going to be such breakthroughs coming up this weekend. And I know there's something in my spirit stirring that I'm going to see some of the cities in my life captured for the first time this weekend. Am I hyping you up? No, I'm not. I trust the promise keeper and I trust the word of God. It has never let me down in 38 years and it won't start now. So I'm going to do two simple prayers. One, if you've never accepted Jesus in your life or you're not sure whether you're a child of God or not, we're going to give you the opportunity to be certain. And then all of us, whether you're a Christian for 30 seconds or 30 years, we're going to pray, God, give me the spirit. Even as Caleb and Joshua had the spirit, I am able to take that land. I'm able because God has made me able. So we're going to sing a song. We sang it in our worship. You alone can rescue you alone can save. You alone can lift me from the grave. Yes, he can. Who can say it? Hallelujah. God will do it. Let's stand. We're going to sing. And as the guys are getting ready, and as we sing the words of this song, you can throw the words up on the screen, Josiah. Thank you. Second verse. God is able. God is willing. It is a tragedy. It is a terrible shame if you walk out that door and in your heart you're saying, I don't know if I am a child of God or not. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're hearing me now, you have the opportunity to pray what we call the sinner's prayer and to invite Jesus into your life. If you're not sure, be sure today that will then give you an open door to pray for this let's just sing sing it through first and then we'll pray for those two prayers hallelujah who lord could save themselves their own soul could he our shame was deeper than the sea your grace is deeper still. Who, oh Lord, could save themselves? Their own soul could 
Our shame was deeper than the sea. Your love was deeper. You alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us. Let us out of death. close our eyes on the stage and off the stage but if you're not certain that you are a child of God and remember there is only one God and his name is Jesus who is amen he said there is salvation in no other name no other name if you're not sure I'm going to ask you in total privacy to slip up your hand and then take it down again just want to know that there are people here who want to pray that prayer okay We're going to say a prayer together. Okay, three people put up their hands. We're going to say a prayer together. I'm going to ask you that you pray it with me. And we're praying it specifically for those people who put their hands up. But let's all pray in solidarity with them. If you could repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I call upon you today. I want to be certain that I am a child of God. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Make me clean. I want you to be my leader. My savior. My friend. I surrender. Come into my life. And change me. Forever. In Jesus name. And all God's people said. Hallelujah. Let's give a round of applause to those who are brave enough. Hallelujah. God is moving. We're moving into a week of the Holy Spirit. Let's start a whole season ahead of taking possession of your city. How many people can say, I've got a city, I know its name, or maybe I know the name of someone in my family and they need to be rescued from it. Will you lift up your hand? Let's pray and let's lay that city on the altar this morning and pray God will rescue. We're going to sing the song again and I'm going to ask you to leave your seat. For the last few minutes of our gathering, we're going to bring it to the Lord up here at the top. You alone can rescue. You, O oh Lord, have made a way the grave divides you here. Cause when our hearts were far away, your love went further still. Yes, your love goes further still. You alone can rescue, you alone can save, you alone can lift us from. So you know the name of the city that your enemy is inhabiting in your life or your family's life. So just think of that. Think of what it's called. 
whether it is loneliness or addiction or illness or something in the family and I want you now to put that into your the palm of your right hand the name of that city and lift it up to the God of heaven here in the church this morning as we lift up that city God representing so many lives here by your grace now we pray and we ask you that you would give us a fighting heart not to fight in the natural but in the spiritual we fight not against flesh and blood but against spiritual principalities and powers and so we do battle right now and we begin a whole season ahead where we know you're going to break chains that have bound the ones we love that have bound us oh god we want to possess that city and we name it to you now in prayer and we pray god that we would be like king david going up the hill to jerusalem and capturing the city may that city give you glory and may everyone who look on says that city was captured because of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. We give you these cities, God, and we pray in the weeks ahead something deep and profound would happen and that we would take possession of them. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you that you pray that three-word prayer, come, Holy Spirit, with me. You're inviting the Holy Spirit into that area, into that city. So at the count of three, with a loud voice show the Lord you got a bit of faith and there's a bit of fire in your belly don't be a jelly baby you're called to be a soldier of Jesus Christ so let's say come Holy Spirit at the count of three one two three come Holy Spirit hallelujah Elisha the Lord would say to you sister would you come forward I just want to just lift up your hands my love the Lord would say to you I've heard your prayers I have seen your tears and I would come right alongside you now and I send my Holy Spirit upon you beloved daughter and I say to you says the Lord be calm be confident for you will see every city captured you will see what this morning looks like a dark flag flying you will see the red flag of the blood of Jesus flying over every city that right now looks like it's inhabited by the enemy. I will undertake for you, says the Lord. I will open doors no man can close, and I will defeat the evil one as he tries to destroy the destiny that is your life ahead. Where you go, says God, I will go before you. And the Lord says, be calm, have a confidence that's not natural. Your confidence is in the Lord your God. May the Lord go before you and may you see your Jerusalem captured in a wonderful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, amen, amen. If we're praying for someone else and maybe you're down there, it's not your city, but it's someone else. Would you lift your hand up just where you stand, wherever you are? You're standing by proxy for someone you care about. In the name of Jesus, they are not here, but we are, and we love them. 
And we ask you now, Lord, possess their city. Rescue them from the lie, from the laziness, from the addiction, or from the toxic relationship. Rescue our loved ones, O oh God. We stand in the house of God and we pray and we leave that prayer in your house. And by faith we know our God will rescue, our God will save, our God will deliver. No one is like our Jesus. So we leave them in your care now. By faith we believe we will see possession of the city of our enemies and our beloved one's enemies in the days and weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Let's sing the song as we return to our seats. Sing it as a declaration for your life and your loved one's lives. Hallelujah. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, we lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. can rescue, you alone can save, you alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, let us out of death. So you alone belongs the highest praise. You alone can rescue, you alone can save, you alone can lift us from the grave. in prayer let's lift our hands to heaven Lord you said to Joshua everywhere you put the sole of your foot I will give to you you said Lord and Lord we bring our lives before you our lives for the coming week Lord and you know where the soles of our feet will step in this coming week Lord we pray Lord that it would be a week of victory for your people Lord Jesus a week in which we will really take the ground upon which we stand as Tom has already said Lord as we stand on your promises there is no surer place for our foot to be we ask you be with us as we get up and as we lie down as we come in and as we go out in all that we do we commit our lives to you and ask you to be with us bless us and prosper us inwardly and outwardly we pray in Jesus name and God's people said Amen. Praise God. God bless and keep you guys tea and coffee being served upstairs we're going to begin again at 12 we're here again on Tuesday night. Tom is speaking. Don't forget, we hopefully see you a little bit in a few minutes. And we'll see you again on Tuesday night. God bless and go with you.